This is I'd Rather Be Right, a podcast about big ideas and better predictions. And dick jokes. Which is why this isn't financial, legal, or even dating advice. We might be rich, successful, and good-looking, but Mark Cuban hates us. So prepare to enjoy the best podcast that only awesome, charming, and attractive people like you listen to. Hello, welcome back to the I'd Rather Be Right podcast with Luke and Nate. It is Wednesday, October 13th, 4.22 p.m. in the afternoon over here, obviously, because I said p.m. <laughs> uh, I'm here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I think Nate is actually in Europe where there is an energy crisis, and the only thing that keeps him warm currently at night is his ability to be right about stuff. <laughs> That's the thing that keeps me warm all the time. <laughs> in the coldest darkest hell yeah i will uh, i will uh definitely be able to keep warm because i'm always right that's, that's the benefit of always being right exactly same, same i will freeze to death but at least i'll say as the way on the way out <laughs> i'm right i'm right <laughs> as i take my last breath that, that will be my uh that will be my that'll be my deathbed like Last Any time. last words? And you're just like, I was right. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? Everything? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> and then just like, oh, yeah. say that to my, like, like my daughter or son. I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> and then, well, and kick the bucket. <laughs> and then kick the bucket. <laughs> every parent's dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> just. Get one last dig in before you die. <laughs> it's not I love you. It's it's I, I you were wrong. <laughs> Wait, you're a fucking idiot. You listen, listen to more of me. God, I this is these are the things that makes me make me believe I should probably never have kids. Well, you can only screw them up so much. You're fine. <laughs> Is that your is that your parenting theory? There's only so much damage you can do them. No, you can definitely do a lot of damage, but it's not like this. Like not as hard as you think to not do damage, and they're gonna be who they're gonna be anyways. So I don't know. You, it's just like you know, do good parenting things. Show up, be consistent. I had this <laughs> argument recently where I just said I don't think it's actually that hard to raise non fucked up kids. Like like, like and it's not. I, like. And she was fighting me. She's like, no, no. And I'm like, I'm like, no, it really isn't that hard. It's like, no, show yeah. up. It's like, be around, show up, love them, uh, you know, and be aware. I said, so, I, yeah. I, my point was, it was simple. It wasn't necessarily easy, right. but like, yeah. but like, it's so easy it's to like, understand. Like, and it's pretty simple to not screw up if you're just willing to do the work. Like, yeah, I, I think it's fundamentally that most people don't want to do the work. Exactly. They they want to be selfish and do what they want to do. Yeah, and, and uh, my point is like that's like it's actually not that hard. But that's why I was telling her I was like I'm. Well, I, uh, it was partly a discussion about how I probably do want kids, but I don't want to do it alone. So I'd only have them if I was with someone. Doing it alone um, would suck. That'd be significantly more of a pain in the. But ass. I also had full plans not to screw that's them up. Though. And she was like, "You can't really promise that." And I'm like, "I think I can." I <laughs> think. Yeah, you know, we we know. Like, just read a couple of books on it. Like, they've done enough studies. We pretty much know what makes a healthy individual. And it's, I mean, it's like what we just said: showing up, being consistent, you know, being disciplined with them, being not necessarily like overly strict, but giving them routines and consistency and guidance. Like, it's not. It's like not rocket science. It's just like. It's kind of, but it's like I said, it's like almost going to the gym. It's pretty easy to understand. Go three times a week, lift heavy shit. Like, but like, can you actually get your ass up and go three times a week? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the yeah. difference. It's the same with kids. Like, I know you don't want to go to that softball game, but you should just fucking go to the softball game. <laughs> it's good for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, I largely agree. And she was just fighting me on it. She's like, "No, no, you'll just screw uh, up because you're a human." I'm like, "I'm like, no, not necessarily. There's plenty of people that do it and don't screw up their kids." Yeah, like, most there's a lot of screwed up people because kids just happen, right? And like, most people aren't ready to be parents, and they should never be parents. And 
you just got to be a parent and like just deal with it. And most people are pissed about that. And most people suck. <laughs> most, yeah, exactly. Most people suck, and they it's like damaged people and, raising damage raising exactly. someone. Of course, they're gonna be damaged. It's exactly that's exactly it. Yeah, they're damaged and they didn't get it fixed, and then they're gonna fuck up a kid. Where it's like, you gotta kind of fix that damage before you raise a kid. Yeah. And then it's like, and then you're like, oh, okay. It's it's weird. It's kind of funny. It's like almost kind of boring to like be healthy. It's like don't be you know. Don't do all those like uh, coping skills that you love doing. Like, <laughs> I think we yeah. talked about that with you before about, about uh, your yeah. self-destructive tendencies that are also Dude, really. I, I don't lead to great stories. I lead to great. <laughs> Bro, I, I like to party. I get drunk. I <laughs> not anymore, but I used to get drunk a lot, and then you know, uh, talk to you know strangers that I found attractive. So. <laughs> and then that would lead to whatever that led to. <laughs> yeah, it could have been worse. There's a lot worse scoping mechanisms out there than having a good time. Uh, I don't do that anymore. That would, that sounds crazy to me now. Going out and drinking all the time. Oh man, just like exhausting. Yeah, I had like a really exhausting uh, weekend. Not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And it was like too much. It was like drinking, going out, meeting people. And then, like, it happened on Sunday when I was really going to have like two beers at a bar and like read. And suddenly I started mm. chatting with a woman, and you know, stuff happens. And I'm like, right. holy shit. And then, like, it comes Monday, and I just really was like, I can't do this again. Like, like yeah, I'm, too, I'm too old for this. I'm really like, it was, it was a total Merton moment. Yeah. <laughs> moment and, like, from Lethal Weapon, like, right. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> you get up for work, and you're like, oh my God, I'm fucked. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh I'm dead. <laughs> you're like, how many beers did I have last night? Five? Oh, that's two and a half too many. Like, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, it's exactly that. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm getting too old to a party, apparently. That's 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 the long and short of it, especially on a yeah. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, it wasn't I, just the Sunday, it was like it was Friday, and then Saturday was like I went to my I went with my friends who were getting married this weekend. They needed to go to the wedding venue to finally solidify their uh the wines they were doing at the winery for for serving for the uh, party. So we did that. And so I'm like at 11 a.m. We're already drinking. I was drinking the oh, night before and out late the yeah. night before. So and then we're near Shenandoah. So we go for a hike, a two hour, you know, two hour, maybe an mm. hour and a half, two hour hike, not too long, but a good hike. And then uh, then we go to, they take me to a distillery and then they take me to pizza at a, at, in a brewery. So like I would drink like everything all day and oh it was like and then gosh. lots of work and I was like I only was on four hours of sleep and lots of drinking the night before. I was just like, oh then I go to Saturday and I go to Sun I was Sunday to decompress and I don't end up decompressing and I'm just like, oh shit, this is the biggest mistake I've made in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like hopefully there's no fires at work. <laughs> like it was just like I don't know what yeah. I did. Like so I'm like, I can't do that anymore. It was just, it was yeah. it wasn't just one day, it was like too many, two days. In a too. If I just drink once the next day, even if I drink a, a little bit too much, I'm probably fine the next day. But if I drink two or three days in a row, I don't know. It like just wears you down more. No, it's yeah. You're like your body never fully recovers, and you're yeah. just, it's, just, it's like never getting that. Uh, it's like never getting your phone battery all the way up. Like you just kind of like depleting it the whole time. And then eventually it's just like, ah, it's time empty. Yeah. I don't do that very much. I just charge a line. I don't. Well, I, I definitely haven't done. Uh, haven't done a drinking session like that and since pre-COVID, so that was it was too much. Uh, <laughs> Pre-COVID, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, BC, BC before COVID. <laughs> before I like that. Before COVID, this is how we used to party. BC. <laughs> exactly. All right. We should probably get a get going to our main topic today. I think, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. Global kick- energy crisis. Do you do you want to? hit it off or should i um i can introduce it um yeah that's more your topic so but yeah so essentially um you have some interesting stats here but people i don't know the media people people in charge politicians are reporting that there's going to be a or at least in europe and it's probably here of course as uh as energy shortage what i'm really interested is um there's a transportation shortage when we get there because there's not enough truck drivers we're actually feeling that here in the States because I'm actually in one of those businesses. So that's really interesting. Yeah. But, um, in the United Kingdom, the industry estimates there's a gap of 100,000 lorry drivers, which is truck drivers to us, partly due to COVID and 
partly because of Brexit. That's interesting. So the because the Schengen zone is not enforced there anymore. So if someone was from a different country, they had to go back home to their own country. Yep. About twenty five thousand HGV drivers from the EU left. There you go. During twenty twenty, did not return. That probably because they're from Spain or Italy or France or something. And there's a backlog of forty thousand waiting to take their HGV test, which I'm assuming must be their semi truck lorry test. I guess they don't really have semi trucks, but they have lorries, kind of a different version of a truck. So that must be their 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 semi truck test. Yeah, yeah, it's those it's basically those. Yeah, so that that's interesting. So they don't have enough truck drivers to get things around in the United Kingdom. Similarly, in the southeast of London, deliveries still remain constrained and the military has been deployed really i didn't know that yeah like 200 are driving gas tankers and providing log- logistical support in these areas 12 percent of gas stations are still without fuel that's not good according to the petrol Re- retailers association that's yeah so, so there's yeah there's the, so let's start with the beginning okay first of all there's a giant i think i think the real way to frame this is it probably is an energy crisis globally I think it's more impacting Europe, but other places as well. Obviously, it impacts the United States. We think about uh, Texas. When we did the Texas freeze-out episode, we can post that. You remember back when that happened. That was definitely an energy crisis. So we're seeing this in multiple levels. Um, the other thing I would frame it as is we did the supply chain episode. This is all impacted the same stuff. And we uh, mentioned all, stuff like this happening. All the Yeah, all the bailouts, uh, the fast recovery, all the causes that are causing the uh, a lot of the causes of the energy crisis are things we've already talked about in this podcast. So I really want to frame it that way. Um, but UK is by far probably the one struggling the most right now, um, even in Europe. But you're, all of Europe is having problems. Uh, so it's not just uh, United Kingdom, which we, we, we know is now uh, 12% of gas stations don't have any fuel at all. So that's and, – and, um, and the prices have skyrocketed there as well. It's just so you guys know. Um, um, and they've actually um, – so, yeah, at one point in early October, there was a 37% spike in UK wholesale gas prices in just 24 hours. So, <laughs> just to give you an idea of what, wow. what's going on here. Uh, yeah, so, but let, let, let's jump back a little bit here and span a little bit. Let's go to Europe. Because uh, when we get to Europe, you kind of see how it's impacting everyone. Obviously, you can keep in mind that the United Kingdom is a, is its own island. So, I think that's a, that's part of this. <laughs> it doesn't have its own, uh, it, you know, most of its uh, energy is being imported. So, keep that in mind. Uh, it has been moved around. Um, but there is a shortage of 400,000 truckers across all of Europe. That obviously includes the UK, as we talked about. Uh, but uh, two major other ones are being impacted are Poland and Germany. Um, the electricity has increased in Europe uh, by 200% compared to 2019, by 2019's average. That's all increased electricity prices. But there's specifically, there's been a 600% increase in European gas prices so far in 2021 so we're talking huge wow. gas spikes and inflation is at a 13-year high and we've talked about inflation a lot on in this and i think we need to remember that energy are foundational to every single product and service you consume period full stop yep. so if and you're also your life your rent and everything so um so if if energy prices go up everything is going to go up Period. Full stop. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing that's not impacted by this. So, um, when we talk about inflation, and you know, people say, "Oh, it's only this sector." Well, it depends on what sector it is. This is a sector that impacts absolutely everyone. There's no one that gets out of it. So, keep that in mind. Um, then also, wholesale gas prices, which have surged to record highs in France, Spain, Germany, and Italy, are supposed to remain high throughout the winter. Obviously, winter you need more. Um, you need more energy. You need more gas. And part of this is the way that. Um, Europe is set up. So Europe has two, uh, sorry, three main components for their energy uh, energy grid. So uh, the way they the way they handle it, Europe has the North Sea winds. Those are out of Germany and Denmark. Uh, those are the wind farms. So this is very. Actually, I should probably jump back a little bit here. Europe has been trying to do a transition to green energy. It's been relatively sloppy in this transition, um, mostly renewables. Um, Germany also got rid of all of its nuclear kept power plants. Stupid mistake. Um, uh, dumb. really dumb. Yeah. They got rid of it because, because, you know, nuclear is bad, quote unquote. Uh, France has not done that. Uh, France, on the other hand, is still 75%, uh, nuclear and decided yeah. nuclear was a way out. Uh, so their prices, first of all, they're much cleaner from a carbon perspective. 
and there's about half the price in Germany. Germany is the highest uh, per kilowatt hour price in the world, I believe, right now, because it went to 100% renewables, no nuclear. And and renewables have problems, namely intermittent. So, you know, wind stops blowing, um, right. cloud cover comes in, sun's not working. What do you got to do? You got to you gotta have gases. You got to have gases back up um, to get you through. And then other times it's going too hard, right? So you have to ratchet it down. That's the other problem. It goes both ways. It's not consistent. Uh, they've known this problem for a long time. Um, and so the answer is to have a gas surplus, which is drying up. They, uh, they normally import it when they don't need it, you know, during the sunny summer and windy summer or whatever, when it's going good, they import it. But we've had, as we know, massive supply issues. We've talked about that here, shipping issues. They're not getting the amount imported as they used to. And the one place they got imported from was Russia. Russia is 40% of all Europe uh, gas supplies. It's imported. They're the highest importer uh, into the, all of Europe. Um, and Putin has no plans to increase the import amount. Right now, he's sort of like, screw you. You guys have screwed us. Uh, you guys have decided you're going to go green energy, which is going to hurt us. So he's playing power politics, I think. I really believe that. That's what's going on. Um, and I don't think people have, I will ever fully appreciate how 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 much of a malignant narcissist Putin is. Like he will, he doesn't care about what you know who's freezing to death or anything else. Certainly not a country he's not responsible for. And he'll gladly let children freeze to death if it means one more ounce of power for Russia. There's not even a doubt in my mind of that. So um, he's not in a rush to move to change this, and he's going to let them do it. But as a, a jump again, jumping again real quick, we talked about North Sea winds. That was one of the renewable places from all of Europe, Germany and Denmark. Those winds have gone. They've disappeared. They're not blowing as much as they used to. A lot of this goes back to climate change. So we've got a climate change crisis going on with a COVID crisis going on, which causes supply chain crisis. So if, if there's a theme of our podcast, I think one of them is complex systems and how they interact with each other. These things are all complex systems that are impacted by each other. So the other one, Norway um, is considered the powerhouse of Europe. Um, and it's this powered by Norway's water reservoirs uh, and it's the continent's biggest energy exporter, but the water reservoirs are drying up. <laughs> so droughts, we've got drought problems. Uh, speaking of which South America has them as well. 65% comes from hydro in South America. They've also seen droughts. The Piranha river, for instance, is at a 77 year, 77 year low. So we're seeing this across the world. Climate change is impacting everything. And if you put renewables on it, the renewables, which are trying to solve the climate crisis are also impacted by the crisis. So it's sort of a circular feedback loop here. Um, and if you combine that with everything else going on, we've now got a real problem across the globe, but specifically in Europe where they're highly reliant on external energy. So, um, and, and I think we should kind of like do some, okay, so here's some global stats. In 2020, demand for natural gas fell by 1.9%. That was because of uh, the pandemic, right? Uh, everyone was staying home. You're not running around. You don't need gas. So what do, so what do suppliers do? They shut down. Any gas flow they can shut down, they're going to shut down. A lot of them have to keep running. This is when we saw oil prices go upside down, go negative, remember? Because suddenly they're producing too much oil and they have no place to store it. And because oil is not like water, you can't just dump it out. It doesn't go to zero. It goes negative because you have to pay someone to store it. You can't just, you know, for EPA rules and pretty much every other country, you're not going to just dump it in the ocean. So... Um, so it doesn't go to zero, it goes negative. And that's what happened when the whole world shut down. But then what did we have happened? We had all the glo uh, global uh, financial teams respond quicker than we've ever seen a response, certainly quicker than 2008 at much higher levels. So we had a massive recovery very quickly. When money got injected in the system, people started buying again. Again, it caused supply line issues, but it also caused issues here. Now you got to restart those uh, things. We've got an increase of gas. And it's certainly bouncing back, but you're not producing because you shut down. And it does. It's not like turning on a switch. It's not a light switch. You got to you got you gotta to hire everyone and got to get everyone moving again. So it, you've got, and then and then you're also seeing the supply getting chains getting congested for everything else. So all this is coming back together, and suddenly it skyrockets. Uh, so it rebounded um, to uh, by 3.6 percent across 2021, and they expect it to go to 7 percent higher than pre-pandemic levels. Um, I guess. So, so it's it's all of these things interacting together that is causing this this giant energy crunch, I think. Um, and this is the way we have to think about this stuff. So, um, and I, th I think the reason I wanted to do this was because I don't think 
we fully appreciate everything that's going on or what was being told because apparently i think it's um it's pretty much every single car maker in germany by 2025 to 2027 expect to go either fully electronic or 80 mm. percent electronic which is I, I told you to. I told Luke to listen to this podcast with Luke Roman. I'll definitely include it in the show notes. But it's very interesting. He talked about how there are fundamentally different supply line chains, like completely for mm-hmm. e- electronic car makers versus combustion engines. So fundamentally, you're talking about switching the supply line chain, like, like completely supply chains, completely switching them almost entirely for your entire business within several years. Um, and, yeah. and Luke's point was, this is a bet the company move, and he goes. Which means, and he said, it's not something you do unless you have another choice. So he he and other people are surmising that someone from the German National Security Intelligence Agency stuff tapped the companies on the shoulder and said, you know, we've only got so much more gas coming. You, you've got to get off of it quickly, as quickly as possible. And and if we don't, our companies are going to your our companies are like there's the the big one of the probably the biggest companies they have in Germany are probably the automakers are just going to go kaput. The industry is going to go kaput. And there's a little bit of uh, there's, there's a little bit of, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but you know, there's like a little bit of commingling between maybe some powerful German automaker CEOs and politicians and who owns what and which company owns which company. Yep. It's interesting. If you look into like who owns uh, it's Volkswagen and, and things, some of the things Volkswagen did and, it's, there's some very interesting things. So, like, they're very interested in what they probably know what the government knows, and very interested in what the government knows. Yeah. Um, but I think the important thing here is that it's um, for whatever reason they're making the switch, and they're making the switch very, very fast, uh, which says that yeah. they're they're probably yeah. privy to information that they they weren't, and part of that maybe the geopolitics around Russia. Uh, I'm sure that's part right. of it. Um, but apparently, eighty percent of all the of the wells are uh, sorry the wells. Of the wells that produce 80% of all of our oil, um, those ones are 50 or more years older. So they're drying up. The easy oil is gone. Um, uh, it doesn't mean well. Republicans don't seem to want to talk about or understand. <laughs> You're so, like, yeah. whether you believe in global warming or not, like the oil's going to run out. Like they're like, meh, 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 meh. Like, yeah, it's going to run out. And for, well, I mean, and I think the way to think of it is the oil's not going to run out anytime soon. But the cheap oil is gone. Um, and, you know, fracking will come on. So fracking only becomes worth it at a certain price point per right. barrel, right? So they kind of go on and off a little bit. Um, um, and again, those things don't shut down quite as easily as, uh, so they might, you know, if it's close, they might allow it to last a little bit and see if the barrel mm-hmm. prices go back up. Um, but below that, it's not. So the, so the regulator on the top end is probably our fracking industry, which we do have. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of the old wells, like they're, they're drying, they're drying up or not, or drying up may not be the word, just gonna be harder and harder to get more oil out of and cost more and more yeah. money. And that is never inevitably, we, 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 know it. We're all, we're, we're not, uh, as you said, we're not Republicans here. Um, uh, we are capable of admitting this is always going to be an issue. I'm also not a Democrat, but you know, the Republicans seem to want to <laughs> ignore <laughs> physics where it's like i mean you can look at projections and you know they do think we probably have another 50 to 100 maybe more years of oil at this level but it's not gonna it's not gonna last 500 years it's not gonna last 200 years it might you know we might get 100 years out of this um and if you think about just shifting the i mean what germany is doing about shifting their supply lines i mean it's a completely different look at all the trouble elon musk is having he's building a new bit it's a new thing right it's a new technology it's hard to do Especially when you've been building cars a certain way for 50 years, it's it's and it'd be it's really dire that we need to do it. America doesn't need to do it today. I think we'll probably eventually get there. Especially if German cars, if Germany starts making some dope Mercedes and like they're all electric, like you're not gonna have any problem selling those here in America. And I think America will probably slowly shift over, anyways. Um, but like, well, I mean, no, I, gonna, apparently the. Uh, was it the Ford F one fifty electric, yeah, whatever? It wasn't like a, that thing was a top seller. Like they had to, they had, 
it's forcing Ford to open up a bunch of more electronic plants. So uh, we are moving like the United yeah. States is moving. I mean, and, and I think about that one specifically because who buys trucks? It's usually gas yeah. guzzling, uh, yeah. r- uh, rednecks. Right. So, so well, it, it, right. It, yeah. Not to generalize, true. but I'm generalizing. Yeah. Well, a lot not of people stereotype, but I'm totally stereotyping. Yeah, they do. Uh, but, but a lot of people buy trucks, but that truck is cool. And what was interesting is but, they came, it came out right when that Texas stuff was going on yeah. and that truck can power your house for like three days. That's the other thing. I heard. Yeah. It goes the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that as well. But um, my thinking here is that um, it's not just that. It's uh, it's that if you can get a significant chunk of those people to give up right. their uh, gas guzzling trucks, then there's right. a fundamental shift in the way people are thinking about uh, combustion engines versus electric right. cars. Like that's and, and to me, that's strong evidence that there is because those those population has to be a big overlap of people who swore to God they'd never go electric. Right. Um, right who finally are like, no, we're going electric because the price of gas is getting too expensive, yeah. which is probably the most common one, or just they've come around to the, they've seen the power of Tesla. I mean, Tesla's gotten very, and the other thing is Tesla's gotten very powerful. I mean, the, the worry yeah. was always, would it have enough power, right? Uh, right? You know, because the original electric cars were borderline golf carts, right? Right. So like, I think, I think the, the improvement of Tesla alone and all mm-hmm. the technology they've done is sort of proven to people that these things can you know can still give you the more power you really want in the truck right. uh not just your mass partly for your masculine energy but actually as a practical matter if you need if you really do need to pick up truck you need the power right um yeah. so i think that's but i do think it represents a shift in the mindset of americans a pretty significant one if that's actually happening and that is supposed to be happening so i think that's huge and I think the other question that we have to have and we haven't really talked about on here is what is the way out? In my opinion, it's definitely nuclear. I think yeah. Germany has made a big mistake. I think France made the right move. Yeah. Um, I know there are fears around nuclear, some legitimate, I think, honestly. We had Chernobyl, we had Three Mile Island, um, but we also have crazy ass terrorists who will, you know, burn a nuclear reactor down just for fun. It kicks and to say I I hate America. So, I, but the benefit is we don't live in the tech of like the fifties anymore. You know what I mean? Like right. we've, we've gotten a lot better, um, right. um, technology. So we, I think we have a lot more safety, better safety protocols. The other thing is we've actually come up with ways to, I think Gates and other uh, engineers came up with a way they believe to start a nuclear reactor based on nuclear waste that already exists. So we pull the nuclear waste and put it back to use. And then in addition, like you can't turn that into a bomb and you can't turn it into, um, and it's not something that can easily, you know, it can never really overheat into go to Chernobyl. That's the whole idea. It's uh, and they really are trying to change to actually make it safer and, mm-hmm. and across the board on, on both those dimensions and still be useful. Um, we've also approved nuclear in the United States here to make them smaller. So apparently you can move them closer. I mean, one problem with the nuclear is historically has been, you know, you can only put them so place, so many places, they're big giant plants, but we found a way to make smaller plants uh, so we can put them closer to things. Cause I do think, I think I believe that, wind and solar has a place in this but more of a in my opinion it's like more of a decentralized thing like the big giant wind farms don't make a whole much sense to me um big giant sun you know uh solar panel uh farms don't make a lot of sense to me in fact they do a lot of environmental damage on their own but like if you live in in the middle of a a place that doesn't have a nuclear power plant nearby uh you're going to need and and all your houses thereby could be powered by windmills and um um and solar depending on what's better in that area Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's sort of the way to think of it as like, it's, it's, a, it's a backup and a decentralization. The other benefit, it's a backup is when things like in Texas happen, there were people who had solar panels like Tesla. They were fine. And, and not only fine, but they were selling back at the grid. Right. So, so they were actually helping in those, those peak times. Um, and I, so I think we're going to see that as well. But I think it's sort of like yeah. a backup way and a way of thinking of decentralization for certain people uh, who also want to sell to the grid or just happen to be living in a you know a part a place that doesn't have easy access to nuclear power. Because as, as we talked about in energy, it's only so far you can transport it. Uh, yeah. The rule of the law of thermodynamics, right? You can't only yeah. do this thing so far. So in places where there just aren't other options, like, and there may be states that are very good. I mean, I imagine New Mexico has probably a lot of sun, a lot of places. So that actually 350 is- days of sunshine. Yeah. So that's probably a good place for, uh, uh, for solar panels. Like everyone mm. can decentralize there and maybe there's no good. Cause the other thing is like a lot of nuclear power plants, I think have to sit on rivers or, or oceans or something to cool the, 
cool the um oh yeah reactor it's not like you can just stick it anywhere you guys have the rio grande i guess that's it's probably not enough <laughs> I don't, but i don't think it's enough yeah so you probably would <laughs> yeah, have to be enough. so you'd be kind of place to go solar with a bunch of you know every house yeah. having their own solar panel would make a lot of sense and a, and a battery that could get you through the yeah the the clutch is really batteries battery technology isn't need there's there's some issues there and yeah transporting energy very far yeah. so the power wall whatever is vast improvement is my understanding yeah. right it is yeah yeah what yeah with uh tesla or whatever came out that's big yeah. but only but only uh it's only for your house you know we need batteries on a almost on a civilization scale where it's like yeah but apparently they did a bunch of those for um so back when puerto rico had the hurricane maria uh tesla really did help get them electric back mm -hmm. up using because they they used i think it was functionally like uh container ships full of power walls that was sort of a right. giant battery and yeah. they deployed them really quick and that actually really did help uh so you know yeah. you, we know you know elon musk has sort of advertised how much he's helped on different things uh right. and some of them has sort of gotten in the way mm -hmm. this is one of those ones where it wasn't the case he actually apparently tesla was very helpful in getting us back uh yeah. getting them back so there's also a, another option of um, if we of um, algae farming, and that's something that they're working on as well, and that might replace oil one day as well. Where you have these giant algae farms that you could you could actually, it's either you could run the whole United States or run the whole world off of an algae farm, basically just the size of New Mexico. It must I think it's the world, so it's like they're also looking at that as a backup, but that has a ways to go. For any of yeah. the engineering and, and the other problem is I always suspect if you put it in one spot, you're going to have real problems. So, so a good example is that they talked about, hey, let's put it. What if we just took part of the solar uh, Sahara Desert into we, you know, into a giant mm. solar panel uh, farm? It, and they, they actually said, you know, it's only it's a pretty small area that they estimate would needed to be able to power the whole world. The problem is if you do that, you, you're covering up sands and sands. Again, we're talking about complex systems. The sands in the Sahara mm -hmm. feed the Amazon. Which is does most of our commerce reduction, so like that becomes the dirt that flies over to the Amazon and actually see and actually fertilizes and keeps the uh, Amazon nice and healthy, which does the vast majority of our carbon uh, carbon reduction for the whole world. So you can't just so people think oh let's just slap a I mean you, I don't think anyone's seriously planning it, but the people who are like well if you did right. do this, you do realize that this is going to impact that. And this is why the problem simple solutions are never the answer, right? Um, you right. have to think about what are those third, fourth, fifth order consequences mm -hmm. uh, of a thing. Because, and a general rule why I like decentralization is often because it's usually more minimal in a way. Like, you know, the impact yeah. is not, you know, it's easier. Uh, Inflexible. Yeah, it's a little more flexible. Uh, and it's not just one big giant thing, you know, because you you do wind over here, you do solar over here, you do blah 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 over here, and all these other things. And and it's probably one of those things where just we don't know how much is too much of any one of these things. So do a little bit of everything and pray we're mm -hmm. we're sort of in the right spot. Um, sort of my attitude towards tax as well. Right. <laughs> to, to do a little bit of every type of tax because I don't know who it falls on or what, mm -hmm. but because like, I but that's part of the point. Like we don't want it. Like if you don't know, right. you do a little bit of everything. Um, mm -hmm. and different and regions then, are going to need different weight. Like every house out here could have solar and we'd probably be good. Like we'd be good to go, but that's not going to work in the Northeast. You know, no. it's like, no, you might need some land. And then, or if you're near the ocean, you could do geothermal and nuclear for a backup, maybe for houses that are old. I don't know. It's like, it's going to be complicated. And which is why it always, which is why I don't have a whole lot of, uh, faith in it ever getting done. <laughs> but I, I think we'll, I mean, I think we will get done. And by the way, we've talked about how Bitcoin could help do this. So um, Bitcoin could, you know, be the so so some of the benefits of Bitcoin only exist because of new technology with the ASICs. So ASICs are the miners that do the mining thing, uh, but they last a lot longer than they used to. Um, so they don't have to be on as long to be profitable, uh, which is very useful in places where you want to do a solar farm and uh, and, and during the day you don't need as much energy, so you're saving some for the battery, but you've got some excess. You run this miner. Then suddenly everyone needs it at night, so you turn the miners off until the morning, and they go back on. Um, that kind of thing can actually work now, um, and that wasn't really an option a couple years ago. Uh, my understanding is like five years ago or so. The ASICs just weren't; they didn't last as long. So you needed you needed, really needed to be on twenty four hours, but to be profitable. But you don't need that anymore. So as long as so as we've gotten better, that's going to help uh, fill in some of these gaps. I think uh, potentially, uh, with any luck. 
And, you know, and the thing is, Bitcoin is always looking for the cheapest energies, which tends to be the cleanest energy as well. So um, it's going to naturally gravitate towards cleanest carbon energy uh, as a general rule. Or to places that actually clean the world by, you know, as we talked about flared glass before, and mining flared gas is actually a net benefit to the, gov- uh, to the environment because you are going to flare the gas and it's much worse than just burning it there and running a, uh, running a Bitcoin miner on top of it. Mm. So that's, I mean, it's by definition going to be attracted to stranded energy and the, and it's also by definition, the buyer of a last resort on energy. So it won't be, it won't be taking the place of you turning your lights on. Like that's not actually what's going to happen. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Like it just, the incentives are not right for that. So people who are worried about like, Oh, you're not going to be able to, you know, have access to, um, uh, to your energy that you need uses because of Bitcoin. It's just not true. Other cryptocurrencies might be actually, but this one will. But Bitcoin won't be. The incentives aren't right. Mm-hmm. And like, how are uh, how's Ecuador doing it with volcano energy? Are they using like steam? Uh, yep. Yeah. So they so they're using geothermal energy. Well, we already. It's not. It's a little surprising maybe we make a big deal out of this uh, as much as we that do. Cool. It, uh, mainly because Iceland has been doing it for a while. Like Iceland mm-hmm. is geothermal, which is basically volcano energy. Like that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And they have Bitcoin miners before this. So people are like, oh, we're doing volcano energy. And just that's like, funny. Uh, we were doing that in Iceland for a long time. Like Iceland's been right. doing it for, because Iceland has the same thing as, um, as I think you said Ecuador, but it's El Salvador. Same thing as oh, El Salvador. Yeah. Um, you know, tens of access to clean carbon uh, uh carbon free uh energy but it's just in an isolated area you know and it's not easy as we talked about to export energy so uh it's a good use for it and it's good and it you know cleans up and what we have to think about is when iceland mines when el salvador mines they make it more competitive to mine which effectively raise the costs to mine so they have made Bitcoin cleaner when they come online. If that makes any sense. They've effectively put a, a tax mm-hmm. on Bitcoin, uh, a clean carbon tax on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So we want the El Salvador's and we, we want all these places that are either causing negative emissions or clean carbon emissions to be mining Bitcoin. Because if they do, it makes it more prof- uh, more expensive for those that are mining using carbon-based emissions. So uh, th- that's a good Net benefit for uh, Bitcoin and net benefit for the globe as well. Heck yeah! Which again, it's like Bitcoin's not dirty. The way we make energy is dirty. Yes, it's correct. And the benefit is though, the cleaner technologies tend to be cheaper, including nuclear. Nuclear is very clean. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the cheapest forms of energy we have. Um, so, as a result, Bitcoin is naturally incentivized to go after those. So it'll probably help spur nuclear power plants. Like be like, oh, you know, this one would be can power this many homes, but it's not quite profitable. But if we stick a Bitcoin miner on it, it's suddenly profitable. Doom, we're going to do it. New nuclear power plant. Like, that's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Let's um, do it. I'll buy a nuclear power plant. How much do they cost? A billion dollars? <laughs> 6.15 five Bitcoin. <laughs> Have you ever heard that joke? Have you ever, there's a meme on uh, online about Bitcoin, for those that don't know, that basically answered anything, any question about how much something costs or how much Bitcoin you need in the future. 6.15. And it's, I'm not quite sure where that came. It was just like someone started it saying it. So, um, you know, how much do I need to be a billionaire in the future of Bitcoin? 6.15 Bitcoin. Six no really Bitcoin. <laughs> it's just a response to oh, That's hilarious. I, I, well, I think there's a lot of regular. The problem with nuclear, though, there's a lot of regulations around it. That's what makes it hard. It's not just a straight economic play, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I agree with that. Yeah. That's, I mean, none of this stuff is going to be straightforward. Uh, regulations are going to impact energy across the board. Um, that's why you want policymakers making smart choices, not Germany. Don't shut your power plants down. Uh, by the way, New York shut their power plant down. They had the energy crisis a little while ago. Don't shut your power plants down. Don't shut your nuclear power plants down. Yeah, make sure they're clean and running safely. And if it really is a safety issue, then I guess shut them down. But otherwise, until you can get them not safe again. But don't shut them down until your energy crisis is over. And they and they did that right before the summer, and well, they had the big problem. Why do they do that? And they're scared of it. Yeah, because New York. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Three Mile Island is up in Pennsylvania, of- right? 
liberals are scared of uh, nuclear power. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really what it is. And to be yeah. fair, I think I think some of the scaredness is legit, especially uh, from the fear. I said scaredness. I don't know if that's a word. Uh, some of that fear is legitimate, especially in the past when it was, you know, we had less robust mm -hmm. technologies and certainly knew less about it. Um, and these are older power plants. But on the same time, you shouldn't decommission before you're sure you've got plenty of extra power coming in. And they right. did. And they got the and they got the crisis. So like, don't do that. <laughs> like, like, I don't no. know what to tell you, but like, power is foundational to human society and humans thriving. Uh, so a lot of the people that are very anti what they call ESG narrative, narrative, which is the environmental social governance requirements within um, mm -hmm. companies. A lot of the Bitcoiners are really against. It. I kind of made the point that like it's not that they're gas guzzlers. Their point is like human flourishing is directly related to our energy consumption. Right. So if you're going to cut our energy consumption, you're going to cut human flourishing. Yeah. I would say I largely agree with that. I would just point out that there are externalities to certain technologies and those externalities, if they get bad enough, could actually impact our human flourishing in a different way. So, so we, we need to realize that, there, you know, a lot of things are great right up until they aren't right. Like, yes. <laughs> the, so, I, yeah, I, I'm, and you want to be I'm all for human flourishing. Like, let's just go. We'll figure it out. Engineers will figure it out, but. Turns out people don't like dealing with uh, consequences, and they don't even believe in consequences. Yeah, <laughs> well, the other thing is, I, I don't believe engineers can solve everything. You know, you and I. They, have had that's because you haven't talked to engineers or taken. No, 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 no. But you and I have had the fights about geoengineering, which is to me an engineering solution to a problem I don't think should be engineered out of. Uh, because I do work. I do work. I, to me, it's it's the same engineer. Okay, so engineers are to me are not much different different than people who imported some animal they thought would clean up another problem and then suddenly there's no natural predators and that thing takes over like like that to me was an engineering that's solution fair. that's not fair at all they they're very every engineer is very aware of the consequences of what they're doing it's part really part of engineering is uh bounding what's going to happen and adding but the know, problem is you, 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 you do they're going to know it's there but you, just don't you don't talk to engineers. You but I'm talking about, them. I'm not saying they're not thinking about this. I'm sure that someone thought about what could potentially go wrong. They got it wrong when they imported those animals, right? It's um, not about getting it wrong. Well, that's but, a different, that's a different, I don't but, even, well, my place geoengineering is a little bit different because you can't take it back. Like, you know, so so I, I'm I'm all for well, we've already I'm all for it. I'm all we've for already geoengineered the planet though. <laughs> like we're, we're already, we've already started. No, but the gene engineering we've done has been largely bottom up. Like, uh, so, you know, we, we, you know, try to breed animals together and stuff like that and sort of let science take care of it until oh, yeah. we have the and, and exceptions are like when we have bulldogs, which have to be delivered by C-section. Um, that's not so geoengineering like, though. That's just, but, but, but my point is still the idea is like, we don't, we don't, you know, plant a lot of plant, like I'm not big on, uh, on CRISPR related, uh, like geo engine uh sorry uh, dna manipulated food like i don't want i don't want them because i do think that's top end engineering fundamentally different than breeding plants together and seeing if it works like so like the point is there's a and, and there is a bottom up and down uh top down engineering there's a fundamentally difference and i do think one is far more robust and safer and that is bottom Right, but you're not an engineer or scientist, so I don't really take your opinion that seriously. Because <laughs> they, but do I don't, you don't have to. You don't have to be studies on these things, man. But, and they but you, don't, you don't have to be. This is about uh, risk management. It's like no, but it's like you could be having this about the vaccine. You'd be like, bro, but natural immunity is just better. I don't trust the scientists that make the vaccine. I, just, I mean, to be fair, natural immunity is better. The problem is you have to guarantee you're going to survive it. <laughs> right. Sure. I, I actually, I actually wouldn't argue that natural immunity is better. I would just argue that you have to survive right. it. Survive right. It. But like, there's consequences, right? But so instead of that, like, okay, we'll just make our own vaccine because it's safer for everybody. But the point is a vaccine, first of all, a vaccine, okay, the ones I'm not in favor of are the ones that they're gonna, they're trying to create these ones now where you you inject someone with a vaccine and then they produce, um, and they effectively end up um, infecting everyone around them with the vaccine. And the idea is that you just, you hmm. so uh, hmm. the problem with that is hmm. if you get it wrong, everyone's impacted. So the, the benefit of a vaccine is it's still localized, right? If there's any mistake, it's going to limit the people you've injected, right? Um, and I think that's a fundamental different type of engineering is if if things go wrong, are the impact local? So like nuclear energy is a good sure. example. Gen to be local. Like, you know, Chernobyl, as much as it blew up, did not cause a problem around the world. Now, difference a little difference sure. with Fukushima when you're leaking into the ocean but that's not generally, much a problem though but as, a, gen, but no as a general problem. but as a general rule i'm looking at okay if things go wrong 
Sure. Let's take an example. Genetically modified seeds. If you do them inside of a greenhouse and you can really guarantee they're staying within the greenhouse, something goes wrong, all that's impacted is those seeds there. You have something that goes wrong and destroys all the crops nearby because it's in right, the, but they've already the done that, bro. They've already I, done it. I know they've already done it, but my point You're is you're already eating that food though that you don't want to eat. You're already eating it. But my point is the more we do it, the more it's it's, it's like it's like taking a bet every a small, tiny little bet every time. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and you do it long enough. And you're gonna have That's not necessarily true because these are there's different methods, different ways. But it's and, always a risk. There's always a risk. This well, is not okay, the, sure, but uh, there's always a risk in getting your car. If you get it wrong, you're gonna die. But, like, but they no, have these no, but again, peer review the, studies, man. But again, like, the risk. You know what's happening? But again, the risk of a car accident is only the people you, you're you in the car and anyone near you. A car accident doesn't sure. cause cascading car accidents around the globe like that's but not a, CRISPR a thing. thing a crispr thing they just do it to you they don't do it to everybody like but a lot of the genetically modified seeds are getting around and causing problems with actual seeds yeah but they but, already did that but that my was, point, but my that point was is, a scientist that was monsanto so that was business yeah, yeah monsanto yeah but my point is to still that <laughs> to the extent you're manipulating something that's localized i am more willing to do top-down engineering because like mm -hmm. again it's limited any consequences that happened or, or you know aren't going to go to the general mm -hmm. population as a whole whatever the general population we're looking at is whether it's plants or people or the world you know the whole mm -hmm. point is i get that no, can, can sure. that's a risk medication thing that has nothing to do with science but a application of technology right but that's How why they test things and that's why you start with animals but, and then yeah, you but, go to human trial that's why you things, test things but test things don't care testing anything doesn't guarantee there aren't uh, no consequences but this you get pretty close you can get so close to the point where the probability of whatever you're worried about is basically zero and you don't but basically zero isn't zero and the thing is and, and, and the point is it's close enough to zero where you don't need to worry about it because it's like it's basically zero but that's, like, that's sure. but my point is basically zero isn't zero you never and, even done a limit what are you even talking about <laughs> and almost certainly you don't even know what basically zero means in the scientific context yeah but well, yeah, and neither do they because they most of them have they failed science. They definitely do. They do limits. I the promise vast majority of them have failed stats. Have literally done they have, stats. But they work with mathematicians who explain it to them. No, they really don't. You do. You have interdisciplinary teams. Like, yeah, no, the biologist doesn't necessarily know math, but and that's not stats. That's Calc 2 is limits, not stats. But I'll tell you, vast majority of them have, have no don't have a clue what they're doing in stats. That, that's that's literally the same Caleb's entire I don't job. That. I have you read? That. Have you read any of Inserto? Have you read Inserto uh, mm -hmm. or any of the? Uh, uh, the Caleb's his Black Swan, Field by Runmus, the whole. Yeah, I've read all those. Yeah, I mean, he's gone over all this. So my point is, like, this is, this is relatively well known. Right, but he's also story. not a PhD in math or so, like. My point is like we have a scientific way that we figure these things out and we have certain acceptable criteria. And once we get something to that acceptable criteria, it's as good as like you might, it's fine, right? Like, sure, there's like other people could screw things up. There's ways that you can screw things up, but that's not typically how things go. And when you're- no, and, and Most of the time it won't. Worried the vast, majority, the, the vast majority of the time it won't. The problem is the one time may be all you need. And the thing is, we just don't that's know. Just, but you're just that's just angry. you're just like catastrophizing when there's like no evidence to support. It's that. not like, catastrophizing. It's guarantee. I guarantee that it, it's it's like it's like playing Russian roulette with a very infinitesimal uh, odds of an event happening, and but doing it consistently. It's, it's a matter of time. Like it, it's, it's not, not if. Like it's what are you when. worried about? Like but like no, what the thing are you is, we don't about? know. The thing is, we don't know because that's the whole point of like unintended consequences. This whole in unintended consequences. Yes. There's only kind of consequences, consequences when you manipulate the woolly mammoth, like, and, and decide to re uh, de extinct yeah. him. Like, it's just like, like we, we, it's not that random. It's not that, like, it's not that, yeah, random is a good word. It's just not that random, man. Like, you can control the outcomes of things, like, much better than you, than you believe because you don't have a lot of experience with it. It's I guarantee that the vast majority of your time, you're right. But the problem is, it doesn't take that many times to be wrong. It may take only one. Like, that's the problem. It may just take one. And I mean, if you're talking about nuclear weapons, yeah. But like when you're talking about this other stuff, like using CRISPR to tinker with a rat's DNA, like nothing's gonna nothing's gonna happen. That's fine. Like, even with the, the seeds is kind of an issue, but like even that's like not a huge issue. Like it is an issue for some for especially for farmers, but like for us, like eating the food, like we're fine. You know, it's like 
the we already like we already made nuclear weapons. We're never gonna fuck up that bad again. So I don't. I'm just like not really that concerned about it. And we and we let Russia have them, and China, and Iran. So I mean, like I get what you're saying, but I think like oh, we nuclear, nuclear weapons are likely gonna destroy us. Um, yeah. Have you? We actually haven't talked about this at all. Right. I, we were talking about it. it's a Bitcoin akin to war. We were gonna talk about it. But we never did. But Jason Lowry. I don't know if you do you follow him on Twitter at all. Uh, he's so. a pretty interesting Bitcoiner because he's a Space Force. Uh, he's in the Space Force. He's in the Space Force. Yeah, legit in the Space Force. <laughs> I'd love that. Um, uh, but he's also in the MIT, at MIT. Um, nice. And he's doing a thesis on Bitcoin and why Bitcoin basically, um, basically, ends war. This is basically his point. It's like oh. it, 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 it replaces physical fighting with hash power fighting um and as a way to secure property rights which is basically the argument is a war is basically about securing property rights on a national level yeah. right yeah. Uh, he's like he's like so now we just move it to the digital world and we all just hash power it out um and so you'll have you know el salvador's again mm -hmm. mining out of the volcano and mm -hmm. we'll have our own stuff mining. and and but it, it's he's 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 doing real time in thesis like and he's asking so it's interesting because he got really popular on linkedin he blew up on linkedin um and he was mainly asking the Air Force, you know, and military folks for their feedback. And then somehow he's like, yeah, suddenly everyone's blowing up. What's happening? And people were like, come over to Twitter. I was one of them. And he came over to Twitter and, it, and he blows up the fastest growing guy I've ever met. Of someone I've never met. He was never, you know, not a named mm. brand person. As Bitcoin is just falling. But then pretty soon, Bitcoin is backlashed on him because he was like, Bitcoin is war. And like, no, Bitcoin isn't war. Fuck you, you spook. And they were like blocking him and like, get, and all these guys, the people that he had real respect for, he's like, I might just have to get off. And finally he's gotten used to it. Uh, and he's calmed mm. down a lot and he's sort of gotten better at receiving the feedback. Uh, mm. And so trying to find a language that works both for, because the, the thesis is aimed at the military establishment and the national security establishment in the, U, in the US government, right? So he has to speak a language they understand, but he also wants to, speak a language that Bitcoiners agree with. And we are giving them, I mean, it may have been mean, but it was real feedback. You know what I mean? Like, and, um, and, and, and they we're obviously very well knowledgeable. So he's, he's admitted it's made his thesis better and he's, he's shopping it in real time. So it's really interesting to follow him. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think there is some truth to this, like that if Bitcoin goes to as far as it could, it could obsolete war. And he thinks, and, the chance of nuclear annihilation basically like if we just embrace it if we just say hey we're going we're going to bitcoin and we're going to support mining uh and and his point is it's a national security issue we have to do it and we also have to embrace it partly because it's just like a question of like this is where the war is going to be played out i agree with, i mean i agree with that but i i mean the fact of the matter is killing someone always is the game theoretical advantage over anything else you're going to come up with so if if you're going to beat me in the hash war why wouldn't i just kill you like it, it's it's always the trump card though you're never going to get rid of it and i, I don't mean, i don't I, know if I, I, I don't agree fully but i don't disagree fully i i think do you remember the the, the movie the pacemaker i think oh, the peacemaker was always a very surprisingly underrated uh movie uh, it was george clooney and nicole kidman mm -hmm. and fundamentally they were two at odds so the whole thing was they ended up shoved together she's the national security advisor he's a military guy and these nukes get stolen off a train and there's a debate early in the front and it sort of brings them together. You know, someone's to steal the nukes. And her, her point is I'm not a, his, he's, he's like, I'm not a, he, he's concerned about um, the military guys concerned about the, the nation state that wants multiple nukes. Mm. And she goes, I'm not worried about the, the person that wants many nukes. I'm about the person who only wants one. I'm worried about the right. person who only wants one. And fundamentally, that sh that movie has both of those elements in it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you a little bit out because you kind of find out in the first thirty minutes that one of those nukes is being given away as payment for the stealing, um, mm -hmm. and for use. So mm -hmm. it kind of like puts those tension together. And I actually think that's. I think it. I think Bitcoin could end the nation state type level nuke advantage but doesn't end the mm -hmm. crazy psychopath mm -hmm. terrorist advantage who just really was happy to nuke yeah. all of new york you know right. um but it does end the nation state threat i think significantly or at least reduces that mm -hmm. so much but it does not at all end the terrorist threat the terrorist crazy person who just wants to blow something yeah. up never going away it's a threat yeah. that's just 
it's just it's a threat that is, is never going to be resolved. But if we reduce the threat of nuclear uh, war, presumably we can start decommissioning nuclear warheads, and then yeah, we won't and, all die. <laughs> and, and, but, but no, but like we don't need to do all of them. But we, if we say we reduced them by half, that would be half of the amount that we'd have to track that right. terrorists could then go and try to collect, right? Yeah. So that also could reduce the threat by essentially reducing the need for us to have a large stockpile. Um, and because the larger stockpile you have, the larger risk you have not being able or, to track or it. Or hear me out, texture guy who's part of the space force, put all the nukes in space, then terrorists <laughs> can't get to them. Do you think there's do you think there's some up there now? Actually, uh, I, I don't know. I think it, like maybe, but I think that's like you're talking about like things could go wrong. I think you might have a dude being like, You want to fucking put a nuke in space? Like, no, dude. Like, what if what if something goes wrong and then you just blew up a nuke over our city? Like, probably not. I don't think they would have put a nuke up there yet. No. That sounds I, crazy. You know, I used to think they probably did, but now I'm pretty convinced they have. Well, they don't uh, to. you want to know why? Huh. Complete and utter cl clusterfuck that was right. the pandemic response. Right. Just has convinced me how, like, I thought the government had its in common. You know, I was always semi-libertarian-ish and, like, uh -huh. so always a little skeptical of the government power. And I always thought there was some level of incompetence. Right. If you told me it was this extreme. I know. I think I would have, like, been like, no, there's no way, right? Um, and, but, I mean, even the CDC just gloriously fucked us up. Like, and I'm just like, yeah. and they were sort of, like, the pinnacle of my thinking of competence within the right. government. Right. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, and that's funny. So, like, if they couldn't do it, you know, like orchestrating yeah, a nuke up there and without us knowing it. Yeah. It just seems like wildly impossible to me. Now. Yeah, probably not. I don't think they would do that. I think there's someone with some sense. They're like, no, you're not putting a nuke in space, dude. And like, you don't need to. You can shoot it from the, you know, from a submarine and like, yeah. But you're right. Dude, the submarines. Seems, yeah. That's actually the one that probably scares me more than anything. Uh, oh, I think yeah. what well, was a Crimson Tide? Like that was like, remember when yeah. that? Well, when you that think was, about it, like you like America and Russia could be completely destroyed, and there's still submarines out there with nukes. It's just like, dude, like we're all dead. Like if someone fires that, we're all dead. It's crazy. Crimson so, Tide, and then there was that TV show where the um, where like the the, the, the sub, I think it, that got canceled after one season. Like the sub was nuclear sub was the only one that survived, and then there was um right. a related one where the battleship was only survived and kind of similar. Uh, but all of those kind of like. I'm like that. Actually, seems quite possible to me. Yeah, um, yeah. I th hopefully I do feel like we're probably past that. Like I don't. I feel like shooting nukes at each other. Like I don't think that's what anyone like Russia and America. I don't think any of one who's in charge is even really thinking about that. Like usually, got to worry about maybe Iran and North Korea or something. But even that, it's just like I think we're like okay, we did that in the '80s. Like we're fine. Like we're probably not going to use these nukes, but then we're just carrying them around with us. I'm honestly not like sure. Like. Complex. I don't know. It sort of depends on the day of the week. But the other thing is, I think there's, I, I do think what I'll tell you, you is, I think a life, man. what's you more likely to life. happen right now. I think, I think the bigger tension right now, sorry, speaking over you. Um, Very good. Uh, I think more tension right now is maybe just the way to think of it as governments versus people. I do think that's a pretty big tension right now. Yeah, um, that would be terrible. Could you imagine? But, but I think that's, I think we're already seeing it. I think that's what we're seeing. Like, yeah. and that I think is only going to grow. Um, I don't see oh, an yeah. end to that anytime soon. Um, I mean, Australia is absolutely insane. Like, yeah, you know, we've we've had we talked about vaccine mandates, we talked about masks, we talked about all this stuff before, but they're like just like beating up people who are just walking with a mask outside and just yeah. being outside and like tackling them, and you're like, what the hell? And like yeah. beating them up, and they're like, this is a different level even on the United States. And I'm just like, that's screwed up. And yeah, and so it does seem to be like the government versus the individual is probably the bigger fight that's going on right now. And, and, I, and it happens a lot in history. It happens a lot, but I just think what's unique about it right now is it's pretty global. Like it's all over. It's not so often yeah. we saw it, but we saw it on like limited to one government, uh, right. one space. And it was, you know, the one government we were getting publicized. Maybe it was more mm -hmm. than government, but we're seeing videos of this all over. Right. Even here in the United States to a certain extent, we're seeing it. So, yeah. Well, I like, think there's this concept of like, why haven't we? seen any alien species right why is there no why is there no civilizations out there yet like that we've been able to detect at all and the idea is like oh probably because there's some kind of great filter some something societies do uh intelligent societies do that basically kills them all and 
for a long time, people thought, oh, maybe nuclear weapons is what it is. But I actually think the internet is what it is. Like once you have <laughs> global connectivity and everyone can talk to everyone, like look what's happening. It's ruining the fabric of society because everyone has a voice now. There's no such thing as facts. Like it's, and it does this everywhere. And you saw it in Arab Spring when they got the, and then Twitter, right? And it did that. But now it's happening on a global scale. And it's like, can we, as a particularly violent species towards each other, like make this work? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, that's actually one thing we didn't talk about within the, um, within the power conversation, a question of the energy crisis was the fact that we are more connected than we've ever been and more reliant on those connections. Yeah. Uh, Whereas if in the past you would have had to ensure that you had enough energy produced in your own country, we're now relying on exports or imports. Uh, so, so it's sorry in the context of if, if you have too much energy, you're making money off the exports. And if you're um, receiving it, you're, you're relying on the energy imports. So Germany is relying on the energy imports from Russia, but Russia doesn't want to give them up. Right. Right. So that is entirely in addition to our complex system, we talked about the complex systems earlier, and this is how mm -hmm. we kind of got went down this rabbit hole. Um, mm -hmm. That's one underrated aspect of the uh, complex systems is the internet. Uh, it's the global shipping containers. At one point, when I do, I'm reading the box right now, which is a book all about the shipping container and how it changed the world. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're arguing that a box is to the physical world what the internet is to the digital world mm -hmm. that is connected the world and uh, uh connected the world and allowed globalization to happen because without that protocol and we really call the box mm -hmm. the, the container ship uh, sorry the container within um, the container a protocol a standardized fixed thing that everything can ship in it uh then changes everything including how ships are built what type of what the ships look like so you can load them all the dock I mean, you go to shipyards now and you've got 20 hundred people running it whereas it used to be thousands right right uh and because they just need to move containers around and you see the giant we've all seen the movies and tv shows with a giant container mm -hmm. shipping yards yeah um and that and then basically they're arguing that plus the computer which allows for really easy uh like so i i, I okay this this container this code needs to go to here and we don't even know what's in it we're just moving around real mm -hmm. quick right we can do it much quicker much more efficient they spend less time in port unloading and unloading uh, loading and unloading um, and get out quicker. And, and it's because everything is standardized. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm reading the book right now, but I, I think that that has connected us. That mm -hmm. plus the internet plus computers connected us so much more that what imp and again, we're not a good example of another one we're tracking right now is Evergrande, how one crisis impacts the other crisis, like mm -hmm. how, how, and in this case, how supply lines are impacting energy lines are impacting and COVID impacted all of them. Climate change is impacting all of them. Like these things are all much more connected than they've ever been. And I think we, we never really mentioned how globalization was part of it, but that is absolutely part of it. We are more globalized than we've ever been. And I wouldn't be surprised, and I can't guarantee this, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a backlash to globalism a little bit after COVID mm -hmm. uh, and that we all get a little bit more robust on making sure we have our supplies, our energy, a little bit, some of this, some of this backup. And that, you know, we see a little bit of yeah. response to uh, localism. And and that means probably controlling our borders a bit more, which, you know, we've been, every country has been much more open with the borders, mm -hmm. uh, letting anyone in for any reason, <laughs> for any given amount of time. Um, and, you know, whether we like it or not, germs do travel via people. And I, why I'm generally an open borders guy, I'm also an Ellis Island guy. I believe Ellis Island existed for a reason. Like one of the reasons why right. we we're trying to make sure that we didn't bring diseases in. It's like we wanted people in, but we didn't want the disease in, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think we've ever really come to, we've never gone back to that way of thinking where we can have both, like a nuanced approach. I want people, but I don't want diseases. So we're going to have a, we going to make sure we know who's coming in, why they're coming in. They're coming here to help us. And they want to make a better life here in America. But we also know, you know, who they are, where they're going to go live. Mm -hmm. We have them quarantine for a bit yeah. or test them for whatever new diseases, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and, then, and then when it happens, we shut down the borders until we get to a point where we can vaccinate people and uh, and and get things under control. And, and we can I do that really easily I now. I could see us going that way, but I'm not sure we're ever going to go that way. We could do that really easily now with drones that have missiles and machine guns on them. Boom. <laughs> yeah, just mow <just> <laughs> down the immigrants. Let's do that. No, 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 just to funnel them, you know. 
Everyone takes <laughs> off running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw that horse that was like that person with the horse that was like uh, uh, the yeah, border patrol agent was whipping. Yeah. Okay, it yeah, was actually the reins, truly the reins of the horse, but he was using it as a yeah. whip to whip. Yeah, we can just use drones instead. I don't think he was hitting anybody with it, but he no, he absolutely was somebody. whipping those. I mean, not that one. You think? No, he I was really definitely like horses. I've never seen him that long before. Yeah, he was definitely whipping them. And but the other weird thing was they had border patrol agents had. This is totally screwed up. Um, they had professional bull riders and rodeo people coming on them on like ride alongs and then helping beat up immigrants. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and the border patrol agent is supporting the rodeos. So this is like a symbiotic relationship. Well, of course. So like they're all the same people and they don't t- and they're probably not vaccinated and they believe Trump won. They're all the same people. Did you ever read the game, uh, the book, The Greatest Game? Uh, it was all about it. It was about like the rich people who go to an island and hunt human beings. Oh yeah, this is basically what it was. It was the greatest oh, yeah. game. It was the greatest game. It was entertainment for rodeo clown, uh, rodeo Heck folks. Yeah. I want to say rodeo clowns because I wanted to call them clown people, but now, rodeo clowns are actually separate. I'm talking about actual bull riders yeah. who decided they wanted to go down for a, a weekend and round me up some immigrants. And yeah, and, and they the got to take their skills in a real life situation. Has, the government has to end that shit. Like. Oh, and yeah. all no, and everyone and everyone should be fired who was involved in it. Period. Full stop. Oh yeah, it's not just, good. Just end it. And honestly, I think the border like customs guys don't really bother me. The border patrol agents they seem borderline Nazis. I'm gonna say they're not. They're not great. I've, uh, I've here. They're not great. Like, I can they tell you that. They start to do whatever the hell they want, and then I'm just like, there, you don't have any um, constitutional rights. 100 miles into the border so literally like they can do whatever they want to you and you have no like even as an american like they could just arrest you there's no habeas corpus there's no nothing like you have no rights when you're talking to a border patrol agent 100 miles within the border okay we're gonna do that another time i want to say the border patrol argument for another one because i think it'd be fun and i think you should lean that one because you're closer to the border and probably have stronger opinions i, I just I, I just i just watched it like you probably stronger yeah. and more nuanced opinions because like yeah. mine are just like i watched them just like that's some fucked up street yeah. i don't even know how to say it like <laughs> and these people should not represent america like that's literally yeah. my thinking yeah i've lived very close to the border i've seen it so <laughs> so i would like let's do that another time and i want to hear right. a deep yeah we'll go to the rabbit hole in that one but i think other than that right. we should round it up yeah sounds good awesome well thanks everyone for listening to the i'd rather be right podcast and i would say we're both right this time because if you listen to our previous episodes we said this was going to happen with the energy crisis and more is going to come it's not just going to be your christmas presents guys you might want to pay attention get some water get some food (laughs) all right see you guys later